Welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 11. I'm your host, William Galloway, and today is Friday, April 5th. We're already in the month of April. It's flying by, and it's Friday, and so we're headed into the weekend. There's a lot of sports to discuss, and there's also a lot that's been going on. And joining me today on the podcast is Alabama student, the voice of Alabama softball. On He's done TV, he's done radio, and he works with Crimson Tide Productions. Gray Robertson, who does all things media. Gray, welcome in. How are you? What's up, William? I don't know if calling me the voice of softball is fair to my partner, Tom Canterbury. He is the voice, and I just provide the background noise, I guess. Well, that's fair. I've, I've seen and heard plenty of uh, your calls that have been featured on the softball page, and so maybe, maybe co-voice. <laughs> I, just, I just get lucky because all the highlights happen while I'm doing TV. <laughs> <laughs> co-voice, I guess. I guess we could call it. But anyways, Gray, you're a junior at Alabama, and you are currently in Columbia, South Carolina, where the Crimson Tide softball team will take on the Gamecocks this weekend. And um, let's, we'll start with Alabama softball. Just kind of talk about you know your role with Alabama softball and you know your prep and stuff like that that you do for all the games on the radio and, and uh, a couple games on TV as well. And kind of just explain your role and uh, also what this season has been like so far. It's been a historic season. Oh, yeah, it's been a ton of fun. I travel with the team every weekend. I have missed two games this year uh, on one day for a personal event in Birmingham. And other than that, I have been at every game. And, uh, yeah, the journey's been fun. We started in Troy. We had a tournament at home. We went to Hawaii, so no complaints there. We went to Tucson, Arizona, uh, and now we're in Columbia here. We've already been to College Station as well, and it's been a lot of fun to watch this team. I remember the very first broadcast, Tom and I were in the – the pitchy or the uh, batting cages, excuse me, before the uh, first game, we're talking to Coach Murphy, doing the pregame interview, and we're sitting watching the team hit. And I look at Tom and I say, Tom, I don't know what it is, but something feels different this year. And he kind of nodded at me and said, you're right. And we talked about it on the broadcast, and that is proven true. There's just something about this team, and you're right, there's something special happening this year. It's been a ton of fun to watch it up close and get to see every single game. Because when you see every single game, you get more of a story than people that watch certain games on TV and then just see scores. So Tom and I have a pretty good feeling of the storylines and the trends and all that that factors in with what this team has done this year. Yeah, you've been you've been like you said all all games but two, and uh, that thirty three and zero start was a school record and something that has just not been seen uh, in in a long time. Talk about that start that Alabama had and how they've kind of had to adjust after having their first loss at Texas A&M recently uh, and how they will progress going forward. Well, the 33-0 start was unbelievable, an SEC record, never been done in SEC history, which when you consider how great the SEC has been, especially in the last decade and a half, Um, to have that SEC record is really phenomenal. And it was just doing in a variety of ways. That was something we would always talk about on the broadcast. You would see Alabama win games 1-0. You would see Alabama win games 16-10. I mean, they had to win in a variety of ways. And this team and this offense responded each and every time they faced adversity. And that's something we have talked about all year. That's been the unofficial theme of this season. And it really spawned from the team meeting the very first night before the first game. We were all in the hotel in Troy. And all the coaches were going around saying stuff. 
and Allison Habits, the associate head coach, started talking about responding and said, when the team scores four, you come back and score five. If you know you lose a game, you come back and win five games in a row. And that's just what this team has done. Every single time their back has been against the wall, they have responded. And it's been fun to watch. And they responded well after the first loss. It took a little bit of time. I called it kind of a first loss hangover, which is why. And also Georgia Tech played really well. But that's why that first, uh, that first game back after the loss was a little tight. And then Mississippi State, the offense really exploded. That third game was a little bit tougher. It was really the first time all year Alabama didn't have the clutch hits that we'd seen for most of the season. But, you know, I'm, I'm not too concerned considering the response from that was a 17-1 to victory over UAB. That's really what stands out to me, and I was going to say, you know, the 17-1 to victory, as you talked about um, Coach Abbott's and, and bouncing back, that was certainly a statement the team made on Wednesday. Alabama um, is currently, and you're currently in Columbia, South Carolina. What is the outlook on the Gamecocks this weekend as Alabama is on the road? This is kind of a weird series. South Carolina is kind of a weird team. You look at the polls. In the USA Today poll, they're 17th. And in the ESPN.com poll, they are receiving votes. So they're, they're not even ranked, which you never see from different polls for any sport. And this is a team with, with decent offense. They've got four solid pitchers, three that were in, uh, very important for their run to Super Regionals last year, and Dixie Raley, Kayla Drotar, Kelsey O. Kelsey O's kind of been dealing with an injury this year, so her production has been a bit down. But this is still an offense with a lot of firepower. You've got Lauren Stewart, who's been hot lately. Kenzie McGuire was on a second-team All-SEC in 2018. Uh, you've got Mackenzie Bozel, who was on the pre all-SEC team this year. Jana Johns, who's 12th in the SEC and on-base percentage, and her batting average has been in the rankings pretty much all year. So this is a dangerous South Carolina team. They're off to a rough start in SEC play. But on the road, with all three games already sold out this weekend, you know it's going to be raucous. You know it's going to be hostile. Uh, Alabama's got to be ready to play. And there's, uh, you know, there are no off weekends in the SEC, as we've seen, even against teams where you know Alabama's better, like Texas A&M, like Mississippi State. Sweeps are very difficult to get in this conference. And there are, uh, there are no off weekends, for sure, even here in South Carolina. I was at Media Day. We're talking with Gray Robertson here on the Galloway Podcast. You can follow Gray on Twitter at Gray underscore Robertson. Uh, one of the the play by excuse me the color voice of Alabama softball. He's also done some play by play for the SEC Network um, for Alabama softball this season. Gray Alabama is at South Carolina this weekend. You've previewed that matchup with the baseball team. South Carolina baseball team is currently in Tuscaloosa on this Friday afternoon as we speak. They're playing a doubleheader at the Joe, and so we've also got that going on. But a Across the parking lot from the Joe sits Coleman Coliseum, and it's a little quiet right now, but back in that practice gym, we know there's a lot going on as Alabama has named Nate Oates its next head basketball coach. What are some of your initial thoughts on Coach Oates and um, the direction in which this basketball program is headed? Well, first off, I would like to send a shout-out to a person that we both know, Cooper Barnes. Um, he attends the University of Texas, and he I texted him last night after Texas won the NIT and said, congrats, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of half-jokingly. And he said, <laughs> oh, I, I, wish that, uh, I wish that we had gotten to play Alabama. And I said, no, it was for the greater good that we are not playing you right now. Yeah. And uh, I think that's true. You know, uh, we all love Avery Johnson. He's a great person. You've tweeted things, uh, experiences with him. I've talked about my experiences with Coach Johnson having Easter lunch with him a couple years ago. He was a great guy. But it Absolutely. just wasn't working. It just wasn't working. And if you want proof that it wasn't working, go to what 
Coach Oates said after that first practice when he said, I ran them so hard, it looks like they weren't ready. And that's kind of insane coming, what, a week and a half after right. the season? Yeah, no and it's, that it, out of shape. It's not like those players hadn't been getting shots up and haven't been working out. I mean, they've, they've been getting their reps in that week and a half, but they've, you know, some of the players said that's, that's the hardest practice they've ever had. And Coach Oates, he comes in, he means business. Yeah, and you know, I think that's good. I mean, Alabama has always been at every sport. You know, the hardest working—that's something that Patrick Murphy talks about with Montana Faust. She's the hardest working pitcher he's ever had. We know how hard the football team works under Nick Saban. Coach Bohannon for baseball has changed up how that program works and practices and prepares for their series. And to see that happening with basketball—that's something great to, to witness. I mean, this is a guy who was a math teacher in 2013. And is now a head coach in the SEC, which you could argue, and people will, I'm sure, you could argue top to bottom the best quality coaching conference in college basketball. You know, obviously ACC pretty top heavy, but I would take one through 14 for the SEC over one through 15 of the ACC any right. day. And to have him in here and just to see how it goes, I think will be fascinating. We've already seen some commitments landed. Uh, Trendon Wofford for Mountain Brook suddenly sounds much more realistic than it was about three weeks ago, which mm-hmm. is remarkable. And, uh, and you just have to commend the job he's done. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that he will further ingratiate himself into the Tuscaloosa community. I know he spent a lot of time with the football team. I don't know if he's been to a baseball game. I know he's not been to a softball game, but <laughs> I, yeah, because we've been that's, waiting. To that's see coming him. up next. That's coming up next. Yeah. But I would love to see coach Oates pop around a little bit, meet some people, uh, just just build up the rapport that Coach Johnson had, and then if he can have the results that Coach Johnson was not able to get, you could be looking at somebody who would be labeled one of the top two or three most successful Alabama basketball coaches ever if that right. were to happen. Right, he, Yeah, he's got a lot of high expectations, um, and he was. it was an interesting um, arrival for him because fans, when it was reported last week, it was said that Nate Oates will be the head coach at Alabama. I actually – the episode 10 of the podcast came out, and then that afternoon, Coach Oates was hired, and so we're just now getting around to talking about it. Been a busy week here in Tuscaloosa, but he's made a lot of moves. Like you said, he's gotten some commitments. Raymond Hawkins uh, from California, the 6'9 center from Finley Prep, is uh, coming to Alabama in the fall. Uh, on staff, he's bringing Adam Ballman as his director of basketball operations, and shout-out to Colton Houston, who will be starting uh, his own analytics firm in the college basketball world he's stepping away from Alabama and he will he will be replaced by Adam Ballman he's going to do both of them are going to do a great job in their new roles so best of luck to Colton and his new endeavors there Brian Hoxton is the one of the new assistant coaches that comes from Buffalo with uh, with Coach Oates as one of his assistants and it was announced this morning uh, on this Friday that Nate Oates is expected to hire Charlie Henry to his staff. He's been a G League head coach the last couple years and was also on Fred Hoiberg's staff at Ohio State, as well as Coach Oates retaining Antoine Petway. Petway will be serving as an assistant coach for the men's basketball team under his fourth uh, head coach at Alabama. So that's kind of where the staff is right now. What are your thoughts, Gray, on some of the staff hires? Well, I don't know anything about Charlie Henry as a person, but I love the hire of somebody from those Iowa State teams. You know, Fred Hoiberg did such a great job building up that program when he was hired in 2010 before he left for the Bulls. 
And, you know, that was a team that made the NCAA tournament four out of the five seasons. Uh, they were consistently in the running. I picked them. I, I was stupid. But the year they lost to UAB in the first round, I had them in the final four because there were such high expectations around that team. They were bringing right. in players. Uh, I, so I love hiring someone from that program. I actually kind of wanted Fred Hoiberg to come to Alabama uh, when that was a potential option. I was saying that in the middle of the year, if, if, you know, if Avery Johnson were to be let go, Fred Hoiberg should be your number one, but to have somebody from that staff, I think is a great move. And just also, I think what really struck me is you've got people from everywhere, you know, Charlie Henry, who is used to coaching in the Midwest, you've got, you know, he was at Iowa state, he was with the bulls. So kind of in the middle part of the country, then you've got, uh, the Buffalo assistant coming down from the Northeast. So you've got that part of the country. And then Antoine Petway staying, who's got the South, who's been recording, or excuse me, rep- uh, recruiting in the Southeast. So you're covering a good 60, 65, 70% of the country with the three assistants that you've got who know those areas. And I think making that move will help you know, spread the recruiting around. I mean, you've brought in a recruit already from Nevada. <laughs> you know, not many Alabama. Emma fans could probably name a basketball player from Nevada who's yeah. been around the last right. five years. Right. And it's just impressive to see him spreading it around, and I think he'll be a great addition in the SEC. He's going to be really fun. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse was announced this morning as yeah. the uh, Vanderbilt men's basketball head coach. And can, I, can I comment on that? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. I, I, Tom and I, when we were doing the coaching carousel segment while there was a break in one of the games, I kind of went off on a tangent. I don't understand why Vanderbilt made the move. You know, Bryce Drew had been there for three years. He'd recruited really well. And I, everyone's saying, well, he went 0-18 in the SEC. And, yeah, that's inexcusable because the roster was too good. But he right. also really hadn't had a full recruiting cycle. A lot of those kids were freshmen and sophomores still learning. And I just personally would have given him more time. I, I think his record speaks for himself. Mm-hmm. He made the NCAA tournament in his first year. He'd been rebuilding the year before. So year two was basically a rebuilding year because you lost a bunch of seniors. And then this past year was just a, a disappointment, but one that showed promise because you can watch Vanderbilt and you know for a fact that they have talent. I mean, Saban Lee was very talented. They have a lot of guys who could potentially be playing basketball for the rest of their lives if they want to. And to make a move like that, it puzzled me. It really did. And then to make a move like that and bring in a guy, as much as I love Jerry Stackhouse, and I have a few personal connections with him through old high school boarding school things, but I, I just don't get it. I just don't get it because it. I think with the SEC and the quality of coaching in the conference, if you're going to get rid of a guy like Bryce Drew, who's been successful everywhere he's been and was starting to build something at Vanderbilt, you have to go and get a name. And they didn't go and get a name. They Well, they didn't go and get a coaching name. They got a name. The player they name, didn't get yeah. a name with any coaching. And I think that's a problem. And I think that will, uh, unfortunately, again, as much as I like Jerry Stackhouse, I think that'll push Vanderbilt back while the rest of the SEC is moving forward. Yeah. Um, Gray, we're talking with Gray Robertson, voice of Alabama softball and Alabama journalism student, junior at the University of Alabama. Follow him on Twitter at Gray underscore Robertson. A couple more uh, questions on the topic of college basketball. Buzz Williams was named the uh, men's basketball coach at Texas A&M earlier this week as well. And so when you look at some of the coaching duos now in the SEC, what what men's basketball slash football coaching duo really stands out to you? Because you've got um, 
there's there's plenty all over the conference that are that are really good names. But Buzz Williams and Jimbo Fisher are making a lot of noise at Texas A and M. Um, you've got, of course, Nick Saban and Nate Oates. His resume speaks for himself. Coach Oates was actually named. Uh, he finished in fourth as the AP Coach of the Year. That was released yesterday. Uh, but you've got Georgia with with Tom Crean and Kirby Smart, and of course now Auburn's in the Final Four with Pearl. But I don't know if Malzahn is is up there with the rest of the football guys. What who stands out to you, Gray, as um, one of the best coaching duos in the SEC with men's basketball and football? Well, you have to throw A and M up there. I love Buzz Williams. I have been for a long time saying that uh, I thought that A&M had the worst basketball coach in the SEC with Billy Kennedy. Uh, you could just tell he wasn't coaching. When Rick Sansbury was on staff, if you watched them in the huddle and you watched them during timeouts, Rick Stansberry was doing all the work and Billy Kennedy was just kind of standing there. And so Rick Stansberry leaves and this year they really struggled because they weren't bringing in the talented players. They had some injury issues and they were losing close games. And I just never really believed in Billy Kennedy as a basketball coach. And so to get Buzz Williams is huge. And I think they're in the conversation. You have to talk about Georgia and Tom Crean. I know year one was a struggle for Coach Crean, but you know most will be in college basketball. And they right. just didn't have the players, especially with Deontay Mayton out uh, after leaving to go pro last year. So Georgia's in the conversation. And I think... Do you really want to talk about a sneaky, solid coach just in terms of football X's and O's, not necessarily big-time results? I have to look at Kentucky. Yes. <laughs> Mark Stoops Absolutely. has Stoops. done a Can't great leave job. Out. He's done a great job with that program. And, and to have them be as talented as they are and kind of always in the mix at 8-4, and 9-3, and 7-5 at Kentucky, which has never been a huge football power whatsoever is just is just great, phenomenal coaching, and I think underrated in the SEC. And you factor that in with what Calipari has accomplished. Uh, seems like that would be the dark horse selection. Right. But There's, I think it overall it would have to be either Crean and Smart or Buzz Williams and Jimbo Fisher. That being said, saying Buzz Williams and Jimbo Fisher is kind of kind of a risk. Uh, you know, if you go resume, then yeah. You could say those two, but we've seen Jimbo Fisher one year in the SEC, went eight and five, and we have not seen Buzz Williams coach in the conference yet. Right. So we and we, have, have we haven't seen Nate Oates coach coach in the conference either yet. Uh, Brandon Camerman responded to one of my tweets asking, you know, about this question, and he jokingly said, "I could be the men's uh, the head men's basketball coach at Alabama, and it could still be Alabama because Nick Saban is head and shoulders above everyone else, uh, regardless of sport." So I thought that was funny. Brandon Cameron, of course, is a sports director out at the uh, CBS affiliate over in, uh, I think it's Portland, Oregon. So I thought that was pretty funny. But we're talking to Gray Robertson here on the Galloway Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Gray underscore Robertson. Gray, a couple more questions. I know you've got to head out to the field pretty soon as Alabama's taking on uh, South Carolina and softball tonight in Columbia. But let's talk about the Final Four and uh, just your thoughts on what's going to happen between Auburn and Virginia and what's going to happen between Texas Tech and Michigan State. Well, this uh, this was the first time since, oh gosh, I have to think, probably since the 2010, no, I'm sorry, 2014 Final Four in Atlanta that I will not be there. And it was an easy decision because I said, well, I'm with softball, you know, so I'm going right. to, I said that months ago. And Auburn's and in the Final easier. Four. It got easier once I saw Auburn was in the Final Four <laughs> with Virginia, who you know I feel about. Yeah. I'm just not going to, I'm thankful that we're on the air during our, the Virginia-Auburn game, so I don't have to watch that and pretend to cheer for somebody. Um, I think that 
I do think one thing, and I know Hunter Johnson might kill me if I say this. I, I do, if there is a positive about Auburn being in the Final Four, I think it signals the depth of the SEC not being just Kentucky and Tennessee because we've talked a lot about how good this coaching conference is, but the results in terms of from the rest of the league really hadn't been there because you had, you know, what, eight teams in the NCAA tournament last year and nobody got to the Sweet 16 or the only one that did was Kentucky. And to see uh, to see a non-quote-unquote SEC powerhouse make it to the Final Four is a good sign for the programs like Alabama and you throw Georgia in there, you can throw Mississippi State in there as well, but it can be done. And I think that's a good thing for the conference. That being said, um, I hope Virginia wins. <laughs> right. Me too. But, uh, me too. But um, it's going to be a fascinating game, isn't it? Because we keep saying that the law of averages is going to even out for Auburn, and eventually mm-hmm. they're going to start missing these shots, but they haven't. And Yeah, they've beaten just, blue blood after blue blood after blue blood. Yeah, and, and they should have lost to New Mexico State. Threes. Yeah. Yes. That we were at lunch earlier. That game was on there, and we were sitting at the booth saying, how different would this tournament be if that New Mexico State kid makes his free throws? It's just crazy. And you get a Kansas-North Carolina matchup or something like that, and you never know. And then one of those teams plays um, another blue blood down the road, and it, it, you never you never know what would happen. But it's, it yeah, all comes down to one free throw. It, it does. It, you know, it's, it's funny how basketball works that way and how it's always kind of a chain reaction. I do like Virginia to win the game because I, I've always said defense wins championships, the old dad quote. Right. And I firmly believe that. I, I think that Virginia has – enough offense that if it got a little bit you know trading baskets near the end of like a 55 50 game or something like that i think that they would be able to outlast auburn that being said if it's a game where jared harper or bryce brown or god forbid both of them get hot the game's over I mean, right Auburn's winning. you know i'll, it, I'll it say this matter. i'll say this about virginia they have a tough time digging themselves out of a hole so like you said if harper or brown gets hot you know, I, I always look to that Duke game when Duke played in Charlottesville, and I went up to Charlottesville for that game where Duke hit 13 of 21 threes, and Virginia was clawing back, and they were clawing back, but they couldn't quite get over the wall. I mean, they, if they had five more minutes of the game, Virginia probably could have tied it up because they just had this stout defense all game. But if they get down big, Auburn could uh, Auburn could punish them. Well, they're kind of like Wisconsin light, right? I mean, if you you know against Wisconsin basketball, if you're scoring 70, you're winning that game. Virginia's got better offense than Wisconsin's had for the last couple seasons. But, you know, they're a team that if they're down by 10 with five minutes left, do you really think Virginia is about to come back and win? Really? Yeah. I, I wouldn't. You know, so it's all about how quickly Auburn sets the pace for that game. And, you know, in terms of the other game, Michigan State and Texas Tech, I think it's fascinating because I actually, just watching the tournament, I, I like Texas Tech's defense better than Virginia's, which is kind of crazy to say. But Chris Beard has done such a great job. AP and Coach of the Year, by the way. Congrats to him on that. Absolutely. And, and I'm well-deserved. And I had heard that if they didn't get Buzz Williams, A&M was going to go after him. And I kind of wish they hadn't gotten Buzz Williams because Chris Beard would have been an unbelievable hire if they could have swung that. But I, I kind of like Texas Tech. I don't know. It's just a gut feeling. There, there are those teams of destiny, and you could argue Auburn is in that description. But Texas Tech has just – there's just something about them. There's fine ways to win. They do it ugly, but they win. They make shots. Culver is an excellent player. And I don't know. It's just kind of a gut feeling. But I like Texas Tech-Virginia for the national championship. 
Which and, is, of course, what everyone predicted in the preseason. <laughs> and Auburn to be in the Final Four, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. This is all right by the book. You yeah. Know? This Vegas is, had it right all along. This this is, you know, and then they didn't ask me because if that was up to me, Kansas State, as per my bracket, would be in the championship game. So, you know. Well, see, that's why you should call me. I would have told you, you that, that you know how idea. You know how that goes. That's why I didn't enter your bracket challenge because I didn't want to throw <laughs> any more money out the window. Your sweet six, your infamous sweet 16 bracket challenge. Um, yes. Talking with Gray Robertson on the Galloway Podcast. Gray, one final question for you. Uh, this week, it was actually on April Fool's on Monday, and so I was fully expecting a follow-up email from the athletic department but as alabama students we received our spring um email our annual spring email about fall football tickets and this year they were they have raised prices to twenty dollars for a conference game and fifteen dollars for a regular or for a non-conference game excuse me and like i said it came out on april fool's day so i'm you know i've been waiting for that follow-up saying (laughs) just kidding it's back to ten dollars a game haven't gotten that i've actually gotten two more emails since with the exact same information what are your thoughts on the university raising ticket prices for students uh and doubling in in some cases for conference games well, you know I'm a big fan of Greg Byrne, and I think the athletic department does a great job and all that jazz. But absolutely, when, when you're trying to get students to stay for games, and that has been a point of interest, I've seen Greg Byrne tweeting about it, one way to not do that is make it more expensive because then they're not just, they're just, not, they're not just going to leave early. They're, they're not, not going to show up in the first place. you got someone that's on the fence, and they're not coming because they're saying, no. oh, I'm going to pay 20 a game, 20 a game. No, that's, that's not worth it for me. And now when you look at it on the flip side, you know, sure, you can get the ticket package and sell them on the ticket exchange. That's what I do because I really don't go to home games anymore with work in the fall. But it just it just doesn't seem right. And it's a little bothersome that an, a football program that's brought in over a billion dollars in the last however many years uh, can't seem to find the funds to not increase the ticket costs for students because at the end of the day, these college students are all broke and all poor. Right. You know, every college student is broke or poor. It's the parents that have the money to pay for things. Exactly. No college student, very few are actually making the money to buy things themselves. And, you know, when you have the choice of going out to dinner with friends or doing something on a Saturday and it costing, you know, 10 bucks versus the 20 for a football game or 15 versus, I don't even know who, you know, like a Louisiana Lafayette or something, mm-hmm. you know, the choice is easy. And I think that if the goal is to get students into the games and staying as long as possible, this is a big mistake, and I hope it's corrected. I hope it is too. But one thing you, you see is the the student tickets are paid for as part of tuition. And so I, I think that's correct. And so, you know, when the, when the check is written, um, at whatever time the check is due for fall tuition, if you've got your, you pay for your parking, you pay for your, if you live on campus, you pay for your housing. Although most Don't sophomores, even get me started on parking. I, let's, that's, I'm going to write a paper on that tomorrow, actually for a <laughs> class. Um, I, I would love to share if, if you, would, if you want to read it, but you know, you write. You're writing off all these expenses. You're writing, like I said, parking, classes, and then you pay football tickets. And so, what's what's another sixty bucks when you're paying football tickets when you're writing thousands of dollars worth of tuition checks? Um, but it's 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 a small thing, and it's it's upsetting. And they're implementing a new style with with an app. I don't think it's tied loyalty or tied reward points yeah. or something for students for playoff games. And so we'll see how it goes. Uh, the SGA is working with the university to uh, create you know, this new interest in keeping people at football games longer. And the thing is, 
you know, I'm, I'm going to buy the ticket. I'm going to go to the games. My goal is to go to every single game next year, whether it's in Texas A&M, whether it's in Tuscaloosa or Columbia, South Carolina, wherever it is, I plan on being there. And so, um, yes, it has an effect on me because I have to pay more, but I'm still going to go to the games. Well, and the part that kind of bothered me is I didn't notice anything until I saw you and other students tweeting things out. And I read the email. I completely missed that part. I didn't catch it as you know an increase, honestly, because I wasn't really thinking about the past prices. So I think what bothered me about it was the sneaky factor, you know, just kind of sliding it in there in the email, not really talking about how there was a price change, and I haven't seen any comments since then. I don't know if I'm just missing it because I've been in the softball bubble, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like there was a better way to go about things, and $15 for a non-conference game when none of them are really that good at home is a little troublesome as well. And, and you've got season ticket holders that will literally give clients and give friends or family, give their season tickets away. They won't even sell them. And so then you're going to have students on the student ticket exchange saying, well, you know, I paid $15 for this Arkansas State game or this Western Carolina game, so I'm going to ask you for 20 bucks as to where – you know, if you wait till game day, it's like people are trying to give away these tickets. Well, fifteen dollars yeah. for a game like that is—it's a lot to ask for. So, you know, I hope this gets lowered. And I think it was only six or seven years ago when every single student ticket—I think Rob Grady was telling me this—every single student ticket was five dollars, no matter no matter the game. And um, to see it get up four hundred percent from where it was just. A little over a handful of a couple of years ago is is a little concerning, but um, I'll, I'll be in attendance. You know, the the loyal Alabama fans will be there, and so um, we'll see what happens. Well, and also, you know, you compare it to the other sports, and every other sport you can get in for free. Why is that? Because they're trying to encourage student attendance. So, if you're trying to encourage student attendance, why is raising the price for football the move? That uh, doesn't make sense. You know, if you go to a basketball game, you get in for free. You go to softball, baseball, you get in for free. But then for football, you were paying already. Attendance was an issue last year. Nick Saban commented on it. It was such an issue. Multiple times. And so Yes, and so the plan was to increase the prices. Do you see the logic flaw there? Yeah. <laughs> Something's not adding up here. Hold on. No. Anyways, well, Gray, I really appreciate the time. I know you've got to run. Call the game tonight. Best of luck to you. And uh, thank you for joining episode 11 of the Galloway Podcast. Remember, everyone, you can follow him on Twitter at Gray underscore Robertson. Uh, a worthy follow, I, I will you. say. I enjoy. And he also is a co-host of the Out of the Box Podcast with Tom Canterbury talking all things Alabama and college softball. So, Gray, thanks for coming on today. Yeah, and I'll do one more plug for Out of the Box because we have had some excellent guests uh, we've had Coach Murphy. We've had people from ESPN. We've well, we've got a great guest coming up that we're going to announce on the broadcast either tonight or tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, you can follow Out of the Box on Twitter at outofthebox underscore pod. It is a lot of fun to record that podcast. There is always a lot to talk about, including the downfall of Florida softball, which has come out of nowhere which, this season. Which Bama fans love to talk about. Uh, well, Tom certainly loves to talk about it. I try and take I try and take a more middle of the road approach at, at times. Uh, Tom Tom likes Tom really enjoys it when Florida loses a series. I'll say that. But yeah, follow the podcast and uh, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Alabama softball is back in Tuscaloosa Wednesday, April tenth, taking on Georgia State, and uh, you can hear the call on ninety three point three with Gray Robertson and Tom Canterbury. Tom Canterbury, thanks again, Gray. I really appreciate it. <laughs> absolutely, thank you, William.
So once again, thanks to Gray Robertson for joining the Galloway podcast. One of my friends, uh, we go we go way back. I've done been on his radio show a couple times and uh, studying journalism here at Alabama together, sports journalism that is. And so thanks again to Gray for joining. And a lot of great things talked about there. I mean, you know, there's a lot going on. It's been about a week and a half since we've had our last podcast, but uh, there has been a lot going on. And so, you know, we wanted to hit a lot of topics and and get his uh, opinion on those. But I just want to kind of reiterate a couple things. You know, there's a lot going on. As I said, Alabama basketball hires Nate Oates. Alabama softball is off to a great start. You can catch them in Rhodes Stadium next week. Uh, The Final Four, I'm going to go back over that. And then, of course, the student ticket prices uh, are, are a little upsetting, and I will write an article on that as well for a class. So parking and uh, student football tickets. And we're, uh, it, it works out works out well because we're writing issue topics in one of my classes, and so that'll give me two papers to write for the upcoming assignments. Anyways, Alabama basketball hires Nate Oates. That was last made official last Wednesday, and uh, Nate Oates, as I said earlier, finished fourth in the AP. Um, Associated Press Coach of the Year polls, where he, you know, last year, of course, talked about he's been 32 and four uh, at Buffalo last season, and they were a six seed in this year's tournament. Um, of course, Chris Beard of Texas Tech, who's now in the Final Four, won the AP Coach of the Year award, and so I'm I'm really excited about Nate Oates. We've gotten couple different questions about him Uh, a lot of people were saying you know who is this guy at first but then you read up on his offensive philosophy and kind of who he who he is as a person and you see that this guy is the right fit for Alabama Uh, he had a great introductory press conference coach Saban was there Um, a lot of the Alabama athletics coaches were there the staff I mean the the room was full plenty of media was very everyone was very excited and uh, at first, like I said, it was Nate Oates, and people were saying, okay, because we thought it was going to be Thad Mata, because earlier on Wednesday it was released that Thad Mata was going to be the head coach. And then uh, Greg Byrne tweeted out, and Cecil Hurt tweeted out that the next head coach would be Nate Oates, and everybody said, Nate Oates? All right, Nate Oates it is. Let's get to work and did their research. And uh, it seems like he's been a really good fit from what I've heard from different sources is that the players are working really hard. They've never worked this hard um, uh, under under Coach Johnson is is what a couple different people are telling me. And, I mean, the, the roster is nowhere finalized yet because there's still one scholarship spot available. Alabama's hard uh, at work after Trendon Watford, who will commit in just 15 days' time in Las Vegas at the Jordan Brand Classic. So his commitment date is April 20th. You know, Alabama's still talking to him. They went down this past Sunday to Florida to meet with him while he was on spring break. Coach Oates really hitting the recruiting scale hard. Uh, he went, it was introduced Wednesday on, he's, he's been speaking to people and talking to people and getting comfortable here. But uh, so this last Wednesday and then Saturday night or Friday night, one of the nights he flies Friday night, flies out to California, talks to Raymond Hawkins, gets Raymond Hawkins to flip commitments from having Buffalo as one of his final schools to flipping to commit to Alabama and following Coach Oates. And so Raymond Hawkins, a 6'9", 225 center from Finley Prep out in California, 
comes to Alabama as Alabama's fourth recruit of the 2019 class. So that was his first pickup. Earlier in the week, after he was named head coach, he retained John Petty from the transfer portal. Uh, Dazon Ingram, we know, is gone. There are rumors of Daniel Giddens going back to Ohio State, so kind of a boomerang for the, the former Bama big man. He started Ohio State, came to Alabama, had to sit out a year, played in Alabama this past year, and it, you know had, had a couple different numbers, and he played – the year before as well, and uh, and here we are with Giddens graduating, and he's headed back, it sounds like, um, to Ohio State to play there, and Dazon Ingram, of course, I've heard rumors of him going to Gonzaga, uh, I've heard he is possibly off to Gonzaga, and so we'll see what happens there, uh, the former I guess I say former Alabama point guard. He's he's put all over his social media that you know he spent his last days in Tuscaloosa, this, that, and the other. So Dazon Ingram is out. But Coach Oates, of course, retained John Petty. Kyra Lewis has been in practice with the Crimson Tide. He's been you know running through the drills, doing full practice, and so I anticipate he'll be back. But uh, Kyra Lewis, and then Alabama looking at Trenton Watford. Trenton Watford and uh, Bucky McMillan were at practice this past Tuesday. And like I said, we're just 15 days away from Trenton Watford's commitment. There's a lot up in the air right now surrounding whether or not he has a firm Duke offer. As far as I know, he does not, He has not tweeted out that he has a firm Duke offer. And so I think uh, that, might, that limelight might be fading or they might make a late push. But I think it's down uh, to Memphis and Alabama. Of course, like I said, he visited Alabama on Tuesday. He's been in contact with Memphis. Memphis and Coach Penny Hardaway and Mike Miller were at his final four games at Birmingham, uh, I guess, two months ago now, a month and a half ago, whenever that was. So Trenton Watford being hit hard on the recruiting scale, but Nate Oates has been doing a great job flying all over the country, visited him, visited Trenton on spring break, and he's doing a great job. The players love him. He's working them really, really tough. And uh, those guys, it's, it's going to pay off in the long run because they're going to get a full offseason with Coach Oates. And once things kick into gear in early November, Alabama's going to be ready. It was announced also that Alabama will be going to Maui in 2020 for that Thanksgiving tournament or the week before Thanksgiving, rather. whatever, Whenever that time slot is, it's in 2020, Alabama will be going to Hawaii for the Maui Invitational hosted by Chaminade. This upcoming season, however, the Alabama men's basketball team will be going to Atlantis in the battle for Atlantis. That one, that's old news, of course, but uh, so two big tournaments two years in a row around the time of Thanksgiving for the Alabama men's basketball team. Coach Oates, you know, talked about, (laughs) he joked about with reporters saying, you know, I've been to tournaments and, you know, up upstate New York and Michigan and even Alaska, and it'll be nice to get down to Atlantis and the Bahamas. So who's excited about that? Alabama has named Nate Oates as its next men's basketball coach. I love the hire. I'm very excited. I think Coleman Coliseum is going to be rocking next year. We'll see when Greg Byrne wants to get those renovations going. But for now, Nate Oates is continuing developing his players and implementing his style at Alabama and kind of rebranding this program to take it where he ultimately wants it to go, and he's done a great job so far. As we talked about with Gray, Alabama softball, 33-0 start. They're at South Carolina this weekend. They play tonight. Uh, That game starts tonight at 5 Central, 6 Eastern, where Gray just called from in Columbia, South Carolina. And uh, Final Four, you know, a couple of my thoughts on the Final Four 
Auburn, I just want to give a shout out to my friend Will McCoy. Um, you know, put the rivalry aside there. Will's one of my friends, and I'm excited for him to have this experience to play in the Final Four. It's going to be, uh, it's you know, as Patrick Kahn talked about a couple podcasts ago, it's it's an experience unlike any other. And he didn't get to the Final Four, but to play in the tournament is is a is a privilege and a nice experience. And I'm excited my friend Will gets that experience himself. Uh, personally, I'm pulling for Virginia for obvious reasons. Um, and also, my brother goes there. My dad went there. And I expect the Wahoos to pull out a big one on Saturday. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the line is or what the over-under is, but I know it's close. I think it might be uh, Virginia minus 5.5 last I checked. But Texas Tech-Michigan, another another big matchup. And this one is is really when you look at the coaches with Chris Beard and with Tom Izzo. I mean, two just, you know, dedicated basketball programs and coaches and coaches that love to coach their players. You saw all that stuff about Tom Izzo early on in the tournament yelling at his guy. Well, I tell you what, that's just that's just coaching to me. You know, if any any athlete that has been on a team or played for a coach knows that when your coach yells at you, it's not personal. It's because he wants to make you a better player and I don't know why there was so much hoopla around Coach Izzo yelling at his player. He might have gone too far, but you know that at the end of the day, he's the player, and Coach Izzo is the coach, and Coach is doing what he thinks is necessary to implement um, his message into the player's head. But anyways, Texas Tech, Michigan State—that is the nightcap game, nightcap game in the Final Four. I'm going to take Michigan State there. You know, I think it's going to be, like I said, a really good game. I like that matchup a lot with. They're all the offense, each team's offense and each team's defense and each team's style as well. But I'm taking Virginia and Michigan State, and then I am going to say Michigan State over Virginia on Monday night in the championship. Uh, for what good reason? I don't know. I think you know Virginia might struggle to to score uh, Monday night just going out on a limb, not meaning anything by it. However, I think uh, I'm. Just going on a wild guess here, kind of like my Kansas State pick in, to make the Final Four. Just going to say that uh, Virginia might struggle Monday night offensively and Michigan State wins the game. Could be completely wrong. They could both not be in the national championship. But that is my Final Four prediction, so you heard it here first. Football student ticket prices increase up to $20 for conference games, $15 for non-conference games for students at the University of Alabama. While it's a little upsetting, I understand the uh, it's all about money and you got to make more money, and so they're doing what they can there. Um, Elsewhere in the sports world, Vanderbilt men's basketball, as we talked about with Gray, welcomes Jerry Stackhouse, kind of a big player name, not uh, hasn't made a tremendous uh, leap in the in the coaching world yet, but this Vanderbilt job could be big for him, uh, and I think he'll do well at, at Vanderbilt, and so kind of establish his his coaching presence there at Vanderbilt. Will Jerry Stackhouse? A lot of other things going on. Um, like I said, Alabama and Maui, that's really exciting. I don't have the money to get to Florida. So if any of you want to start a GoFundMe to get me there, you know, that would be much appreciated. I know that won't happen, but I'm just speaking out purely of hopes. The MLB is back, and currently the Rays are atop the AL East. The Twins are atop the AL Central. Uh, Mariners at the top of the AL West, they're 7-1. and one. The Mariners off to a good start. And in the National League, Phillies 4-1, and one, 
in the NL East. NL Central is led by the Brewers, six and one. NL West, five and two, are the Dodgers. So again, you know, this there's 162 games. It's a long season, but uh, it is exciting that baseball is back because. Everybody loves, you know, going to the ballpark and and seeing and keeping up with all the storylines and hearing about all the money that people are making. Ronald Acuna Jr. for the Braves, I think it was eight years, a hundred million dollars, and so uh, exciting for the Braves to retain him. Maybe it was ten years, hundred million dollars with a two-year option at the end of eight years. But the Braves are currently three and three. Uh, they're three and zero at home and zero and three on the road, and so you know. As of right now, we're going to see what's going to happen with the Braves. But as a as a lifetime Braves fan, I'm excited to see what they're going to do this year. And of course, watching Acuna is always fun. Uh, NBA playoffs are right around the corner. Literally, there's not even a handful of games left, um, and teams have locked up their positions in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, there's still a couple teams battling it out in the East for that 6, 7, and 8 spot. But you think about MVP and you think about Rookie of the Year, um, MVP, I've got to go eh, Giannis, James Harden, I don't know. I'm not really sure. Um, I'm going to go with Giannis just because I'm a big Giannis fan. But uh, when it comes to Rookie of the Year, you know, Trey Young's had a good year. Colin Sexton has had a good year. And of course, Luca the goat has had a great year, and uh, I think it's got to go to Luca. I mean, I don't see a situation in which it doesn't. Um, but this rookie class has been fun to watch, and it's been one of the better ones that we've seen in a long time. You know, I was posed a question the other day, and it was really interesting to me, and I thought it was kind of funny. But uh, in all seriousness, can James Harden take the worst team in the tournament of the NCAA tournament to the Final Four? And I don't think so. I don't think he can. I don't. James, you give James Harden, you put him on the worst team, and uh, w- would he take that team to the Final Four? I'm saying no. You can say yes. Tweet me at wm underscore Galloway. Let me know what you think. Can James Harden take the worst team in the NCAA tournament and? lead them to a Final Four berth. I think it's possible, but I don't think it would happen just because you never know what happens in the tournament. Yes, James Harden is a phenomenal player, but can one guy really carry a team like that? Obviously, this you're comparing the NBA and the NCAA, but could he do it? I'm going out on a limb and saying no. Tweet me. Let me know your thoughts on if James Harden could take the worst team in the NCAA tournament to a Final Four. That's really going to do it here for us. On episode 11 of the Galloway Podcast, thank you to Gray Robertson for calling in and giving a lot of insight where we talked about Alabama basketball, we talked about Coach Nate Oates, and then, of course, Alabama softball, the start to their season that they've had. Uh, We talked about student football, ticket prices increasing. We talked about the Final Four going on this weekend, and that is so exciting. Again, I've got Virginia and Michigan State, then I've got uh, Michigan State, taking the crown on Monday night. The MLB is back. We went through the standings right now. Again, we're only seven or eight games in, but it's MLB season. The grass is turning green. The weather's getting warm. Hopefully the pollen gets out of here soon. And, uh, you know, baseball in the spring, just in summer, of course, and and early fall go hand in hand. And so it's always nice, you know, when baseball season comes around, the weather's getting nice and the year is getting more relaxed. But, uh, MLB is back. We're going to see what happens with the Braves. They're currently 3-3. The NBA playoffs are around the corner. Giannis Antetokounmpo 
is my MVP, and Luka is my Rookie of the Year. Can James Harden lead the worst team in the college basketball tournament to the Final Four? I say no. Tweet me. Let me know what you think. This has been Episode 11 of the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.